0: Welcome to Episode 7 of the Via Emmaus Podcast, where we'll be discussing the Old Testament portion of this week's reading plan. My name is Anton Brooks, and I'm here with David Schrock, the pastor of preaching and theology here at Octopon Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Before we move on to this week's reading, um, David, I have a, a question from a previous broadcast. All right, um, It kind of ties in, but um, the question is this. Uh, the listener said that he was listening to Episode 3 uh, about a conversation we were having regards to Abraham and Sarai not waiting on God. In their case, uh, he says he thinks it was easy to see, especially in retrospect, with the help of the Bible and the commentary, that their plan was sinful because Abraham had committed, or Abram had committed adultery. Mm-hmm. But for us, uh, how are we to know whether taking some action is failing to wait on God? Uh, for example, when Joseph was trying to get out of the Egyptian prison. Let's assume that whatever the action was, it was not an obvious sin Mm -hmm. uh, or lying or cheating or adultery. So how do we address that?
1: Yeah, it'd always be nice if we had, uh, you know, inspired Scripture interpreting our lives. Yeah. Right? So that's certainly what we find in the Bible. And so there's a way of interpreting the Bible with clarity and specificity that uh, may be lacking in some of the decisions that we make until after the fact. Right. But I do think that there are things in Scripture that lead us to understand how do we follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. right? So, one of the things that we see in a passage like Hebrews chapter 6 uh, is that um, faith is defined by waiting patiently on God. Right. Right? So, just kind of baked into what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be walking by faith and not by sight, is to have a heart of waiting on Him. Mm-hmm. right? So, you think of a passage like in you know, Isaiah chapter 64. Uh, that talks about, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, a God who works on behalf of those who wait for Him. Right. Yeah. And you just think how contrary that is to every other religion that basically says, you must do these things and then God will serve you, right? then God will bless you. But the Bible teaches us that God works on those who wait uh, for Him. And so one of the ways that we do that is that we are a people who are not pursuing our own ways of getting to God, but are following what He has spoken to us. So faith always comes in response to the Word of God. Right. Worship that is true is always in response to what God has revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're always uh, independent, or we are always dependent on what God has previously done. Right. right. So then, when it comes to just making decisions, well, is this in alignment with the Word of God or not? So clearly, some things, you know, adultery in this case is outside of God's will. We have a full uh, description of that in the Bible. Right. Other things just are are more gray. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly as clear. And this is where I think a, a life of faith is a life of wisdom that comes by just being saturated with the Word of God. Right. Right. Whereas in the Old Testament, you have 600 plus laws that are instructing the people of God to do this and not to do that. Now. We have the law of Christ, which fulfilling all the law is to love others. Right. Right? And so there's a kind of freedom that is there, but it's not freedom that is divorced from the Word of God as much as a call for us to be saturated by the Word of God so that we have kind of mature intuitions that are framed by the Scriptures themselves. So it gives clear boundaries of what is um, faithful and righteous and what is unfaithful and unrighteous. But then there's more gray areas like, okay, what is wise? What is going to glorify God the most? Am I walking out of the desires of my flesh, or am I desiring the things of of the Lord, Mm -hmm. right? And so even as we make decisions, it's always wise. Okay, do I have a biblical reason for doing what I'm doing, right? Romans talks about not doing anything apart from faith. So can I act in faith? Or am I trying to protect myself, preserve myself, to satisfy myself, going beyond and going ahead of what God has designed?
0: I can speak for myself. There are times where I'm positive that God has a plan for me. Mm -hmm. So the question is not whether what I'm doing is lined up with what God's desires are or Mm -hmm. is is something that's um, sinful or not sinful. It's timing yeah so often I'm sure that I'm supposed to do something it could be something even like having a child yeah absolutely. which is not um, sinful mm-hmm. um, you know in the confines of marriage right but is now the right time or am I supposed to do something else must have wait or yep. you know I've been in that situation myself where I don't know God's timing
1: yeah and this is just where there's we can obviously be overly passive.
0: Right, yeah, right, that's what I'm going for, yeah. And at
1: the same time, we can also be overly aggressive, Yes. right, and going too quickly. In fact, um, Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9 is a really interesting passage on this very point. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like the horse or the mule without understanding, Mm -hmm. which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you, right? So the horse who's running ahead and the mule who's kicking behind, Right. right. And so it's just giving an image of the heart or the decisions of our lives. It can be going too quickly, a running ahead of God, mm-hmm. or we can just be pulling against those things. And part of that's going to be personality. Right. right? Yeah. If you've been walking with the Lord for some time, you're going to begin to learn yeah, this is the way that my heart drags and where I need to be convicted and confronted by the word of God to say, no, I need to be in action following after the Lord. Or, no, I often run ahead of God and I need to, to be still and to wait upon the Lord. Right. Right? So that's why, again, when we come to the New Covenant, the law being written on the heart, the Spirit is at work to make us wise, and we want to go back to the way that the Old Testament says, do this, don't do that. Right? Yeah. But actually, that's a kind of an infantile status, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what we tell our 4 year old Maybe then our 10-year-old. But hopefully by the time that they're a teenager and growing off on their own, it's like they're not calling us and having us give dictates of to do this or not to do this. But rather there's a maturity that is coming, and that's what the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of Christ gives to us as we continue to saturate ourselves with the Scriptures.
0: I also think that's a a good place for prayer.
1: Uh, Yeah. A good place for prayer. And also,
0: um, in some cases, it may be a good place for... Um, wisdom from our brothers i mean that's part of the reason why we fellowship is Mm -hmm. to be able to help each other obviously you know trusted brothers um, who have proven themselves faithful um, when it comes to the lord but you know there have been many times i you know i've even come to you with Mm -hmm. questions and stuff i I may be wondering something and i just go to you and there are other trusted brothers that i have that even may not go to this church or they Mm -hmm. can live in another place might call give them a call send them an email
1: No, I mean, we're not called to to make our decisions in our life as individuals. We need brothers and sisters in our lives, those who are older, those who are younger. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, it gives us wisdom from the Lord, but from the Lord incarnated through those relationships with people who are following Christ. Right,
0: amen. All right, let's move on to this week's reading. In Genesis 41, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and practically overnight goes from being in prison to becoming the second most powerful person in Egypt behind Pharaoh. What can we learn about Joseph's journey from slavery to favor?
1: Yeah, a couple things. I think one, uh, you know, overnight he became the the second leading figure in Egypt. But overnight, after thirteen years right. of being <laughs> abandoned, imprisoned, um, maligned, uh, all these different things, that, That's right. you know, so I think it's just important to see. Okay, this was not something that just happened quickly. Mm-hmm. Right, there wasn't a meteoric rise as a teenage pop star. Right, you know there. But rather, there was much suffering that led to this role. And then secondly, um, even when he was in slavery, the favor of God w- was upon him. Yes, it was. Right? So I think we can look at his circumstances. We can look at our circumstances and say, okay, yeah, he moved from this place of disfavor to favor, from slavery to, to blessing. And yet, no, like he was part of God's blessed people because he was a son of Jacob, who was a son of Isaac, who was a son of Abraham. Right. Right? And so it's important to see that his circumstances do not dictate his blessedness. Amen. Right? And how often do we hear people say, I'm blessed? And, you know, they point to their car or they point to their home or they point to their family, they point to all these circumstances out there. But ultimately, when we come to the New Testament, we see Jesus has given us every spiritual blessing in Him, or That's the right. Father has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so I think it's just instructive to us to say, it's not moving from disfavor to favor, it is moving from slavery to to authority or mm-hmm. from suffering to glory. Uh, so there's a pattern that we're gonna see in scripture with that. Uh, but I think it's just important to see that his circumstances are not what's dictating and determining his his blessing. One thing that's fascinating to read if you're reading in Genesis is to go to Psalm 105 and to read the commentary there of uh, of Joseph's experience. And it says that the Word of God tested Joseph. Wow. Right? And we think Word of God, the Bible, Joseph didn't have the Bible, Mm -hmm. so what's this word that was testing him? I think it's the fact that God had made promises to his father, to his grandfather, that he would receive these promises, But he would receive these promises in a certain place, at a certain time, with the blessings of his family. And he's not receiving any of that. Mm -hmm. So now, he's tested. can he continue to trust in God and these promises to his his father that he will receive as he's imprisoned in a foreign land? Mm -hmm. So you can begin to see how that word is testing him. It's those promises that are there.
0: I agree that you can see that throughout the Bible. Because Paul's situation, you know, where he said that he found joy Mm-hmm. While he was imprisoned, yeah. and after he had been beaten, I mean, he had been imprisoned multiple times, had been beaten most, multiple times, chased multiple times. I mean, just yeah. everything that possible. And he said that his joy was in Jesus. That's right. You know, I, and I think that it's very similar to what you're saying.
1: Well, one of the biggest things that we begin to see as we walk with Christ is our perspective is enlarged, right? How often do we just look at what's right in front of us, and we're discouraged, we're downcast, we're like God has abandoned me and yet we don't know the larger things that God is doing. Mm. I think that's one of the things we see in Joseph, is that God and his purposes to save the world, like that we have this conversation today, and that there is salvation available for us today, is because God chose to test and even to give suffering to Joseph, Mm -hmm. so he could be raised up, so he could be uh, a savior, to be a preserver, of Egypt and in Egypt, the, the people of Israel, so that from Israel, mm-hmm. one could come who's the savior of the world, right, yeah. right? And it's like, we have no idea what God is doing in our suffering today, but if you're a follower of Christ, it's not purposeless, right? There is purpose to what he is doing. We may not see it in the moment, but we know that it's going to bear good and lasting fruit as we continue to abide in him.
0: Right. In Genesis 42, 10 of Joseph's 11 brothers had come to Egypt to buy grain. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Joseph instructed that nine of the brothers go back to Canaan and return with Benjamin, the youngest brother who had stayed behind with their father. Joseph kept Simeon in Egypt with him while the other nine went back as he instructed. In Genesis 43, the brothers come back with Benjamin. When Joseph sees his youngest brother, He has the servants prepare a feast at at his house. Hmm. The servants brought Joseph's brothers to the house. When Joseph entered in Genesis 13, verse 26, his brothers bowed before him. Was this the fulfillment of the dream Joseph had as a teenager in Genesis 37, where he told his brothers they would bow before him?
1: Yeah, so again, let's remember, Moses is writing this, Mm -hmm. and he's not just kind of getting the reports of of Joseph. Like he's taking the story of Joseph and he's writing it in a very particular way. Right. So going back to Genesis thirty seven, like you mentioned, we see these different places and the word for bowing down is used three times there. Mm-hmm. Right. And strikingly, in chapter 42 verse 6, 43 verse 26, and 43 verse 28, his brothers come and bow down That's before right, yeah. him. Right? So yeah, I do think that this is the fulfillment that is there. So we see this predictive promise in these dreams that is given to Joseph, and then it actually takes place, and Moses is giving us clues to see that as promise and fulfillment, because he's using the same language. Mm-hmm. right? The same events are taking place. And what's striking is actually the next time that this word is used, this bowing down, the seventh time that it's used, is in Genesis 49 and verse 8, right? In a place where it's describing this offspring of Judah, right? Mm. We talked last time about the contrast between Judah and Joseph. And here again, they're being brought together. And it says that, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. And your father's sons shall bow down before you. Right. Right? And so what it's instructing is that, What have we just seen of brothers bowing down before? It's like from Judah will come a son like Joseph, whose brothers will bow down before him. And I just find it incredibly striking uh, that in a passage like Matthew 28, as Jesus has been raised into glory, a son of Judah he is, he is being worshiped by his 11 disciples. Wow. Right? I mean, so he has lost the one in Mm -hmm. Judas but 11 of the disciples who meet Him in Galilee are there bowing down and worshiping Him at the, the end of Matthew's Gospel.
0: That's a great connection. In Genesis 44, the word divination is used multiple times. What is divination?
1: Yeah, so here's the definition of divination, right? This is the act by which a person comes upon secret information that cannot be discovered by common means of observation, right? So in uh, the Law of Moses... Uh, have a couple places where it's spoken of, like Leviticus 19.26 says, you shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it, you shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. Or Deuteronomy 18 verse 10, there should be not found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer. Mm. So just a little background, like one of the ways that they would do this, is they would cut open an animal, mm-hmm. they would look at the entrails of the animal, and they would begin to divine future events based upon what they find in the entrails of an animal, right? So I'm not concerned that anyone today in our church or most right. Western churches are tempted to do that. You know, let's cut up and you know Fido the dog and figure out what's going to be going on in the future. But I do think that we're tempted to divination all the time, mm-hmm. right? Trying to look at signs or even coming to the Bible as some kind of like, okay, what is this going to tell me about the future? Yeah. Right, so go back to the question that was asked earlier about how do we know if we're going ahead of God or waiting upon the Lord? Well, I think a lot of Christians have a temptation towards superstition. Right, to say, okay, what's what's going on here? I want to know the future. I want to know what's going to happen with my kids. I want to know what's going to happen in my life. Right, and there's yeah. this temptation to know the future. And then we begin looking for things in the Bible or in life or whatever to help us to know what's in the future. And yet, that's a heart of divination. Mm. right? And so in the Old Testament, you have these different magical practices to be able to do that. You have these wise men who may be practicing these different ways. Again, looking at entrails of animals is one thing. Um, but again, today, I mean, so you know, the most bold example would just be horoscopes mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. But there are other ways as well that we are just unwilling to wait upon the Lord, trust in His sovereignty. We want to know what's going to happen in the future, and we begin to kind of sort that out for ourselves today.
0: I remember when I was growing up, there was a million nine hundred numbers uh. where you could call. <laughs> I, you know, I know it's old school. Yeah. The, the, the internet has done away with the need for nine hundred numbers. Yep. But people would call in just for exactly what you're talking about, for predictions, and yep. to read the future about their children, yeah. all kind of crazy stuff. And I think a lot of times Christians were caught up in that also.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's hilarious. So where, where we live, you know, on uh, Minneville Road, there's a person who breeds Palms and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I've that. seen that, yeah. And I'm like, and they have business hours.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: if you're any good, you don't need business hours. That's right. Because like, you're going to know who's going to be showing up at your That's doorstep, right. right? Um, but yeah, we're, we're tempted in those ways. The internet is probably the greatest predictor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we're looking for those signs of the times, uh, instead of just going back to the Word of God that teaches us to walk by faith and not by sight.
0: Wow. In Genesis 45 verses 4 and 5, I'm going to go ahead and read that. Mm-hmm. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve his life. What does Joseph's willingness to forgive his brothers say about his character?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to kind of take this, right? Mm -hmm. If you just look at it in the context of Genesis, you see that Joseph is not responding to this horrible act that his brothers did the way that Cain and Lamech did. Mm. Right, if you go back to Genesis 4, uh, 23, Lamech says to his wives, you know, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, listen to what I say, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is seven, sevenfold, then Lamech is seventy-sevenfold, right? Where he's just kind of boasting the fact that if something's done to me, I'm going to do it back to them, mm. you know, ten times, Wow, right? You know, it's like uh, the Untouchables, Sean Connery. If they bring a, a knife to a fight. You bring a gun, kind right, of a yeah. thing, right? Like so. Certainly, in the context here, that's not what's taking place. Certainly, what we see in, in if Joseph is representative of Christ in any sort of way, and we may talk about that in a moment, right? This is the way of Christ, right? Christ is sent to death by people who are ultimately going to come and bow down before him. Right? I mean it's our sins that are on his shoulders and yet he forgives us as we turn and trust in him which I have to believe in Joseph then is actually a model of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ mm-hmm. right that this is the way of the Lord that those who have been sinned against they don't respond in anger and sin towards that person it's not a, uh, a situation where uh, revenge is part of the Christian character but rather it is Forbearing. It is forgiving. It is forgiving others as we have been forgiven. And so, what we see with Joseph is that he's able to forgive because God has done a work in his heart. Mm-hmm. And that is possible for a follower of Christ as well. But it's only possible if we can really come under the sovereignty of God and say that what you meant for evil, God has meant for good. Right, so we see that in Genesis 45. We see it again in Genesis 50, verse 20. And to recognize that God's purposes for the believer are ultimately going to be leading towards eternal glory and things that are good, even though in the moment they're the most crucifying, painful, and even sometimes sinful situations. Yeah. like God is still going to bring good from that.
0: Now that kind of leads into my next question. Can this story... Of, of Joseph uh, and how he deals with his family be a picture of how Christ redeems us.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, again, um, whenever we're looking at you know, so this question is this a type of Christ, right? Mm. The temptation always to move from the character or the event, jump over, and to land you know in Jesus in the New Testament. But if we just read it in context, right, we have to see how. Joseph is set up as a figure who is meant to be a type. It's not as though later on they're going to be created. If again, we see this language of the brothers who are bowing down to, mm-hmm. um, to their greater brother, and that's applied to a son of Judah, well then what is it saying? It's like there's a kind of Joseph type that mm-hmm. is there at that point. Um, and so we see that Christ is going to be the one who is going to be leading many sons into glory. Mm-hmm. right His brothers, he's the elder brother, He's yeah. the one who's going to be leading his brothers in that way. Uh, even those who afflict him, he is yet going to forgive and he's going to lead them into a place of provision and protection, ultimately sacrificing himself, right. In the story of Joseph, we see a picture of suffering, um, the righteous uh, suffering unrighteously. Yeah, right. I mean, we talked about this last week where, he actually did the right thing with Potiphar's wife, mm-hmm. and he's punished for it. Yeah. Right? And, and so, certainly, we see this kind of pattern of, of the righteous sufferer. This is going to be picked up with Job. Daniel will have a similar experience. And so, it's preparing the way for the true righteous one, the only righteous one, who suffers unrighteously that is, the hands of wicked men put him to death. But he dies offering himself up so that he can redeem a people for himself. And then what does He do? He teaches us to walk in righteousness, which means to walk by faith, right. not trying to you know uh, figure out superstitiously the future, mm-hmm. but to trust in what He's done. Uh, and then He gives us opportunities as well uh, to suffer for Him uh, and to suffer... Uh, even though we don't deserve it at times, to suffer anyways, mm-hmm. and yet to continue to trust in him to forgive others. And in that way, he's reproducing a people with these characteristics that point to Jesus.
0: Yeah. Well, this concludes our discussion of the Old Testament portion of our reading plan. So, if you come up with any questions that you would like me to ask David, please send them to viaemmaus at OBC.org. You may hear a response in an upcoming episode.
1: Via Emmaus is a podcast with Occoquan Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our prayer is that you would read the Bible and read the Bible better. For more resources related to this episode and the gospel-centered ministry of God's Word, visit obc.org.